Hello, my name is Justin Bryant, and on today's podcast, I'd like to talk about uh, sound design or music in video games and why they are very important. Uh, for me, sound design is the pinnacle of immersion in video games. If you don't have good sound design or good music, it doesn't really get you into the environment and make you feel like, wow, I really am this character. Um, like, imagine if you played a games like Halo, for example and you're playing the game with zero music and just the sound effects you hear. It kind of takes you out of the universe in a sense because there is a, there's a very lacking amount of, of sound effects in that game when it comes to the outside world and the environment. But when you throw in that soundtrack and you first hear that main riff on the guitar as you're flying around and, and a warthog shooting every single alien around you, it really gets you into that moment. You're like, yes, I am Master Chief. I am here to destroy all the Covenant. Oh my God, the Flood's here. I want to murder them too. And especially on that, on that, on that, on that side tangent, just that Flood level alone, when you hear that, that uh, violin whining as the Flood surround you, it really gets your uh, stress levels up as you're trying not to die to them. So again, just small examples of why I think those are very important. And in this podcast, I'd like to talk about different subjects such as sound effects versus music and why one is more important than the other or why it might be more effective to focus on sound effects versus music, for example. like Again, just to use the Halo example again, in that game, there's such lacking of sound effects in that game. Uh, and I'm talking about Halo uh, Combat Evolved, the first one. Uh, that the music really helps you immerse you in the universe. And the same can be said for games like Doom. You don't really feel like a murder-death Doom Slayer unless you got that heavy metal guitar riff made by Mick Gordon. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really important to have those good aspects of sound design in there. And as well as just with this podcast, I think if I can, I'd like to take a couple of my other game design students uh, that I know or maybe some alumni that I know to help uh, talk about this subject because uh, I know I know some people that are very uh, they, they think this topic is very important to them as much as I do so anyway that's what I'd like to focus on and we'll see how it goes thanks Alrighty, on this episode of the podcast, I'm here joined with my good friend Edmund, and today we're going to talk about a couple things uh, today with game soundtracks, uh, such as soundtracks we don't necessarily like, soundtracks we do like, uh, soundtracks that immerse you into games, good games with bad soundtracks, or music that is tied to gameplay, and finally, uh, games where the, there's minimal music, but it actually helps your immersion. Uh, but yeah, so first off, I'm going to throw it over to my friend Edmund here to help uh, introduce some soundtracks he really doesn't like or feels like it doesn't do a good job in these games. Oh, I'm uh, Edmund. I'm just here to chill with my boy Justin and make a podcast. Uh, do you, what, what do you want me to introduce? The stuff I like? Tracks we don't like. Okay. So, we were talking about this earlier, and we it's really hard to think of stuff you don't like, because then you're just thinking of just stuff you don't... No, most people don't think of stuff they don't like regularly. So it's kind of hard to think of like songs and games like soundtracks that we really didn't like. There were some examples that we were able to think of, uh, such as Resident Evil 1 Director's Cut. There's a song that just just doesn't fit the, the game at all. It sounds like someone was just slamming their hands on a MIDI keyboard. You can play that here. And uh, yeah, it definitely just something seems off about it. And same thing with Sonic. Uh, 
Dark Brotherhood, there's a song where it literally sounds like they put their toddler on a, their MIDI keyboard and he just was going ham on it. He just wanted to make his dad proud. Uh, you got any examples, Justin? Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some... Uh, with those with both those examples, I mean, you're right. I mean, with both games, especially like Resident Evil, where it's really horror-focused, that soundtrack... Uh, that Sorry, that sound in that soundtrack, which is called uh, Mansion Basement, uh, really just takes you out of it because it just kind of bloats your ears and really gets you out of the experience as a whole. Uh, but then, yeah, it's kind of just some more or less examples because, I mean, like what Edmund was saying, it's really hard to pull games that you don't like the soundtrack for because typically if you play a bad game, the soundtrack's already bad and you don't want to play it so you don't remember it. So that's kind of so that's one interesting thing that we kind of came up to when we were writing the talking points of this podcast. Uh, but now just talk about some game soundtracks we do like. Um, one that comes to mind that we both really like uh, is Persona 5. We both really enjoy that kind of jazzy, uh, that jazzy soundtrack that it comes with. So you can really immerse yourself in that game and really gets you going and get you get you moving and pumping uh, with everything that's going on there. Uh, and I'll swing over to Evan for his comments for that. Yeah, the uh, soundtrack of Persona 5 definitely really helps the game. Uh, really helps the general mood, the focus, the uh, environment just helps you get pumped and excited to continue through the world uh but yeah there's a lot of games like that there's you know persona 4 has a similar soundtrack there's all those jrpg games have interesting soundtracks you know a soundtrack i just remember that was weird persona 1 you remember that soundtrack yeah yeah that sh- was weird compared to the other ones but that was also the first one but uh yeah so uh do we only want to talk about silent hill now or Alright, uh, another game where I was talking about, Justin doesn't really know too much about it, but uh, Silent Hill 2 is a game with a very, very excellent soundtrack. The entire soundtrack is catered to your gameplay experience. So when you like first get into the, uh, like the world of Silent Hill, James comes in on his car and he says he's looking for his wife. The first song that plays when you're approaching the town is f- perfect, it's so terrifying. Because you, when you start walking, you know, there's a fog, so you can't really see. You can hear sounds in the distance, which is, you know, kind of unnerving because you're like, what the fuck is that? And as you approach the fog, there's nothing in it. You can hear, like, all this stuff, and the soundtrack just slowly, slowly, like, builds up. Throughout the entire game, certain points, like, certain truths being revealed or certain moments, whenever the song plays, you can definitely, like, link the song to those moments. Like I said, that one song, Truth, and, uh... There's also songs in that game that freak you out, like the one I talked to you about, the Black Fairy one, that happens right after a major revelation in the game. You can play that here. Uh, and yeah, it's it kind of fills you with a little bit of dread, a little bit of somberness, you know, kind of sad. But yeah, that, that's definitely a game where I really like the soundtrack and think the soundtrack really helps the gameplay and experience overall. Another game that has a very good soundtrack that fits the overall theme and aesthetic is Bloodborne. I know you haven't played Justin, but you really need to. You have a PS4. But, uh, yeah, yeah, and you have it, yeah. But uh, Bloodborne really fits a lot of uh, kind of like opera vibes going on. A lot of like Dark Souls. If you like Dark Souls music, you'll love Bloodborne. There's a specific fight in Bloodborne in the DLC, which kind of sucks because a lot of people didn't play it. And, the, and it was also the first DLC boss, which a lot of people also stopped playing the game at because it got too hard. But his name was Ludwig. And Ludwig is the hardest boss in the game, in my opinion. But it's fight, the fight starts off like a normal beast fight. You know, you fight, you get to a certain stage and it transforms. But when the transformation happens, the song switches. 
to match his more original hunter form which it is the best moment in that entire game i will send you a clip of it justin after this so you can put it with the music and like the audio and stuff but it is by far the best moment in that entire game and i'm sure you also have some games that you would like to talk about where the soundtrack really impacted your gameplay yeah so definitely some soundtracks that i thought were really good that really immersed me in the game uh big example one i can think of is uh the god of war uh 2018 from on ps4 um i like most people never played a god of war game in my life until i played god of war 2018 and by golly did that soundtrack really immerse me in that game it really makes you feel like a honking big god of war uh with all the operatic and big big manly men screaming at you and and their and their uh and their what was it, the nordic tongue i'm pretty sure is what they were singing in and that really gets you in that mode and that immersion really makes you feel like you're in uh viking times and you're and you're fighting other gods and, and monsters from Norse mythology, so that was a really good one that I can always think of off the top of my head. Special thing about that game as well is the there's a lot of old God of War songs in it too. Like the main theme also had a lot of God of War one and three songs mixed in. Like Kratos's main theme from those games, it plays at certain moments. You can like whenever he's going back, you know, to get the Blades of Chaos or whatever from the basement that he didn't want. You, know, you can hear like his OG like. God of War 1, God of War 3 theme as he's going down the river and shit. It's perfect. They really, really outsold themselves on that soundtrack. But uh, a game, yeah, a really, a game with a really good soundtrack in my opinion, Dark Souls 1. Like, it's a very, very beautiful soundtrack, but there's certain songs in it that don't fit, like, the theme. Like, Cethuscalus. Uh, Cethuscalus is a boss pretty important in the Dark Souls 1, like, lore and stuff. He's very big figure it takes a while to get to his boss fight and when you finally get there and fight him it is the most not only is the boss like, kind of anticlimactic because when you figure out what you have to do the boss isn't really too bad but whenever you listen to the music if you really pay attention to it it is the most unfitting music but uh yeah that it just it just doesn't fit with the character at all it just sounds like a bunch of clowns playing a xylophone while you're fighting a immortal dragon man but uh yeah uh, going back to Justin, you can talk about it as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I would agree. I, I've i played Dark Souls through and through, and I never really paid attention to that part of the soundtrack when I fought Seath the Scaleless. In doing that, he's absolutely correct. You literally, when I when we re when we rewatched it or re-listened to it, uh, yeah, it literally just looked like somebody was taking their child and they're banging their forehead on the xylophone as they're fighting. And if you took out the xylophones, this that... that uh, that piece of the soundtrack would honestly fit so much better. It really takes you of it. Now I, I can't look at that fight the same way of when I go to replay the game at all now. Because every time I'll hear it, and I'll just like be like, why? Why is that there? Next thing you want to talk about it, uh, was a game, uh, Devil May Cry 5. Eddie, Eddie over here said that the music is tied to the gameplay. And I haven't played Devil May Cry 5 yet, but you want to talk about how that the music affects the gameplay. So he's got some interesting points. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Devil May Cry 5, another one of my uh, all-time games. Very, very good game. Very good game. Highly recommend it if you haven't played it. But yeah, Devil May Cry 5 is a very interesting game because the music and soundtrack is t solely based on how good you are at the game. So it's solely based on what kind of rankings you get on the style meter, which was quite funny when the game first came out. A lot of uh, game journalists who aren't very good at games, even though they're game journalists, didn't really listen to the soundtrack because I couldn't get past the D ranking, which you can't even hear the soundtrack. 
but if you get to triple s ranking or whatever whenever you do like the best combo you can the soundtrack is like booming as loudly as it can it is ridiculous it makes you feel like you actually like accomplished something doing your combos and stuff but yeah that is a game which is one of the few examples where you have to be somewhat like capable of playing the game to actually even hear the soundtrack which i thought was kind of interesting but, um, is there next docking boy helps the immersion uh the game i can think of like that is uh definitely like that's you know death yeah death Stranding. death Stranding does have music at certain points but it's always at very breathtaking scenes it's never like in game most of the time in the middle of the game world you know it's like just you traveling from point a to point b with all your like tools and stuff so you know they don't want to break your full immersion same thing with metal gear solid 5 like there's only certain songs in it that play at certain moments but for the most part it's just you in the game trying to immerse you and make you feel like you know you're actually there same thing with more realism games like uh arma you know that that definitely gets you know help from not having any soundtrack you kind of immerse yourself in the world and kind of more realistic yeah, do you have any examples you want to talk about justin so there's definitely Games that are in this category where there's so little music, but it actually helps the game out is, is games that are trying to be hyper-realistic or they're trying to be uh, very focus-oriented on the gameplay and that's what the focus is. Uh, for example, uh, in playing games like Rainbow Six Siege, in that game there is extremely little music. It's really just in the menus and character selects, but when you actually are in the actual gameplay because it's a hyper-realistic shooter, uh, they don't want anything to distract you because every minute detail that you can hear and see will help you win a game. I mean, I am trash at that game because it's just people are so hyper-focused on everything going on, and I just don't have that attention to detail that they have. Um, and I know a game that you were talking about that you said was like that is Insurgency. Now, I haven't played Insurgency, so I'll swing it over to him so we can talk about it. Insurgency is like a hyper-realistic military shooter. It's, it's like one bullet takes you out, you don't have an ammo counter, you don't have a, a crosshair like wherever like when you move the gun moves like it's I'm, I'm doing hand motions which you can't see but when you move the gun there's no cross you can't really aim and like hit fire you have to aim down the sides or else you're gonna miss all your bullets and there's crazy recoil and there's practically no soundtrack the entire point of the game is just to make you people call it PTSD simulator because it really feels like when you, you can hear all the little details your squad mates are saying like you can hear them yell RPG, you can hear them talking about landmines and people pushing up on you. It's it's supposed to, you're not supposed to hear any music because you're supposed to be listening, you know, to the world. There's other games like Day of Defeat. Day of Defeat is literally, you know, like the World War II. That is literally just insurgency in World War II. So you kind of have some experience with it. So it's, it's definitely, for games like that, it definitely helps you out because it makes you feel like, you know, you're, you're there, you're fighting this fight, which I really enjoy. Certain games... You know, you don't always need a soundtrack to uh, supplement it if the, the atmosphere is just good enough. But I'm going to pass it back to Justin so we can continue talking about some points. Well, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much actually it. There's We've, we've ran through our entire talking point list. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of what we're going to talk about. Hopefully we turned you on to some games you haven't listened or played to them, or either listened to soundtracks or played the games, uh, either for good or bad reasons. Uh, but other than that, I want to... End it here. Thank Evan for his time coming on the podcast. And other than that, that's it. It's helpful. We'll see you in the next one.
Alright, so welcome to the final installment of the podcast for this semester. On this final episode, I think I'd like to talk about and focus on a specific soundscape of a certain genre in a, in a game that I really think does a good job, and that genre is horror. And now, unless you've been in a shell for the past five years or so, uh, and you don't recognize this game, this game that I want to focus on is what's called Five Nights at Freddy's. I think this game, for as much flack as it gets for being uh, overhyped or uh, just generalized in terms of not being received as the best, overall, you know, it just gets a lot of flack for being what it is because it's been me. It's been uh, part of meme culture for a while now. So anyway, so what I like about this game is that, as simple as it is, and I'm gonna and I'm focusing on Five Nights at Freddy's one at, at this point, and I want to go into two, three, four, or Sister Location. Uh, those games came later, but I really want to focus on the first one because this was before these developers uh, got really popular. Scott Cotham was the man who. Uh, made the game. What I like about this game a lot is that as simple as it is, its soundscape makes you feel like you are fully immersed in the universe. And again, if you have not played Five Nights at Freddy's, what this game entails for you is that you are a minimum wage employee working at a Chuck E. Cheese style restaurant with animatronics. Your goal is to watch the, watch the, uh, the uh, store or uh, play area, whatever you want to call it. Uh, just watch the building because you're the security guard uh, and make sure that everything's okay. And you're not necessarily watching out for intruders coming in. You're watching out to make sure the four animatronics, sorry, five animatronics in there do not kill you. Uh, this game was heavily inspired by obviously Chuck E. Cheese's and those old animatronics that are really off-putting and scary. I mean, if you can, you can look up old 90s footage of the animatronic uh, mascots at Chuck E. Cheese's uh, and places like that. But anyway, what this game does in terms of its soundscape is that all it is is just slight ambient noises and it's not overbearing. And when games do a good job at making sure you're fully immersed in their universe, you don't notice them and it doesn't stand out to you. So when I was replaying this game in VR and playing it again uh, before I started uh, t uh, writing the podcast today, I really just noticed how simple it was. It was just a slight ambience, which I'll probably play throughout the podcast here. Um, and it was just subtle changes, like the button clicks were quiet, switching through cameras was very quiet. The static noise that some that one of the cameras has, it's an audio-only camera because uh, the video feed cut out, is really quiet, and it just really heightens the tension of that game, and really gets you into it. Now, some people will argue that Five Nights at Freddy's isn't a true horror game because it doesn't do a good job at giving you the full immersion and ambience of a horror game. Like for example, Silent Hill. Silent Hill does a good job. Um, at making sure that you are fully immersed in the story, the genre, everything. But because people will criticize Five Nights at Freddy's because it's so simple, they'll be like, oh, well, all this game is is a jump scare, that's it. There's no real tension or horror or true terror of that game, which I would actually disagree. The way that Scott Cotham built that game and made it to where you are waiting and waiting and waiting, you're not in fear of what could happen after your first death, you are in fear of the jump scare. 
because you don't want it to happen. You know it might happen, and you know it's going to happen if you're if you're gonna die, but you are just <laughs> that's your fear, that's your horror. Uh, it's not like games like Outlast where it's constant like tension and horror as you're going through the asylum, trying not to get killed by the big guy or trying not to get found by the other various enemies because I mean that game is truly scary. Now I will say that as much as I'm praising Five Nights at Freddy's, do I think it's the best horror game in the world? Absolutely not. There are so many other better horror games out there. Uh, like and again, using Outlast, that's a very good example of a horror game that I think is better and does an overall better job at conveying the genre and the feelings and the moods that you're supposed to experience because of it. Uh, in Five Nights at Freddy's, though, I just, again, I really, really, really like the simplicity of it and the overall tension that it creates. Because you, it's only one-click objectives, you're just clicking your mouse around, or if you're in VR, you're just clicking buttons around with your hands. There's no moving, there's no anything. You're stuck in that security room to make sure you don't die. So overall, yeah, I really, really like that game for what it does and what it offers for the player and for the individual. And not to mention the cool lore that's been built off it. Now, I know this is a music podcast, so I'm not going to focus on that. But if you haven't uh, checked out the lore of Five Nights at Freddy's, it is pretty cool. Uh, I have my own personal theory that the lore actually wasn't written by Scott Cotham. My personal theory is that he let a game theorist on YouTube uh, named Matt Pat from The Game Theorist write all the lore for him because Matt kind of just deep-dived the game and made everything. And every time Scott Cotham would watch the video and comment on it, he would say, Oh, you got everything right, except for a couple things, but I'm not going to tell you what those things are. So that's kind of a cop-out in essence, in my opinion. So that's kind of one of my only gripes with the Five Nights at Freddy's uh, lore universe because I don't really think... Scott wrote any of it initially. I'm sure he's just built off what MatPat already built for him. But anyway, that's what I wanted to talk about uh, for this final installment of the podcast. Uh, other than that, I hope you enjoyed listening uh, along with me. And you really and really uh, made you pick your brain about this game. Other than that, yeah, I hope you guys have a good one. Stay safe. And hopefully I'll see you in the next one. But before we leave off today, I just want to play you a one minute or so soundscape of that game just so you can get an idea of what I'm talking about and why I like it so much. Now, you might not be able to see the game, obviously, because you're listening to a podcast, but hopefully this soundscape really inspires you to pay more attention to the soundtrack of games, especially simple ones, as well as it helps you uh, might want to revisit Five Nights at Freddy's and, and try and hear everything that you hear in the soundscape. But other than that, yeah, here we go.